This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Hallelujah. Welcome to Monday night Bible study at the Lighthouse Church of Charlotte, where we shed light, show love and spread the word of God. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited that you are joining us by way of live stream. Would you do me a favor? Would you click the like and then share and invite all of those that you are connected to to be a part of this Bible study, a part of this impartation. Um, I'm going to go into our scripture and then we're going to pray together. Um, I don't know about you, but I always need prayer. Our scripture tonight is Matthew's chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious and eternal Father, first and foremost, we tell you thank you. Thank you for being so wonderful, so holy, so sovereign, so merciful, and so just. Thank you, God, for keeping us and covering us, Father. You kept us from danger seen and unseen. And for this, we say thank you. We thank you tonight that we are coming into this place of praise, worship, and power, and we are able to go out into the world to serve, to be lights in the midst of darkness. We honor your name, your sweet and merciful name, because you continue to give us rest in spite of everything that we've done, in spite of everything that we've overcome. We have the ability to rest in your presence, in your presence where there is fullness of joy. We thank you, oh God, for doing everything that you said you would do. You are truly a man of your word. We honor you for your love, for your faithfulness towards us in spite of everything that we've gone through, things that we've gotten ourselves into, situations that we've caused on our own. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you saved us in the nick of time. And so tonight, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we honor you. As we are honoring you and lifting you up, you are drawing us closer to you, closer to your presence, closer to your anointing, closer to your glory and we thank you for what you're going to do even throughout this teaching tonight enlighten the eyes of our understanding we want to see here feel your glory we won't move into you bless us we won't move into you give us your anointing and we praise you for what you're going to do even throughout this teaching it's in the mighty name of Jesus we've decreed and we've declared that all things are working together for our good in Jesus name we pray let every heart say amen Amen and hallelujah. We serve an amazing God and wonders are his to perform. Tonight, while we're in the spirit of praise and thanksgiving, would you partner with me by way of sewing? Head over to the lighthouse clt.com, hit the donate tab and be found giving. Thank you for every giver, for every sower, for every tither. We're grateful for your partnership. We're grateful for your labor and your seeds of love. We count it, not robbery. And we're grateful for what God is going to do even throughout the course of this year with the Lighthouse Church of Charlotte. We are just grateful. We thank you for every uh, giver and we pray that God would supersede his expectations for you and that he would multiply every seed 
press down, shaking together, and run it over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Um, again, thank you for joining us tonight for Bible study. I am so excited about the word tonight. Uh, I don't know about you, but the word truly keeps me throughout the week. There is so much going on. Good, bad, and indifferent, but we thank God for his keeping power, the power that keeps us and it covers us in spite of what is going on around us. So as we are moving throughout this service tonight, would you help me celebrate Pastor Barnes as he comes and takes us further into the service tonight? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. We thank and we praise God for everything that he does. We honor him for his grace, his mercy, for his sufficiency. Um, I want to first acknowledge we are definitely having some technical difficulties, so hopefully you can catch um, as much of this as possible. If you can't, um, I will come back at another date and reteach it, re-preach it, make sure that you get this full word. Um, but let us just take about 30, 45 seconds and just worship the Lord just for being great and for being kind. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Out of our mouths, with our hands lifted, with our hearts filled with praise, let's just honor the Lord for his time, for his sacrifice. Hallelujah. If you can hear me, start praying that the Lord will move even in the internet, even now. Hallelujah. That we can let this word go forth and everyone that needs to receive will be able to receive in Jesus' name. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. The blood of Jesus is against you. We come against every demon, every devil, every attack, every distraction. We pull on the presence and the power of God to fall on us even now that we can receive what it is you have for us, that we can get your word, that we can receive your presence in the name of Jesus. We invite you in this place to encamp around us in this place. We thank you, God, for covering and keeping us and protecting us from danger seen and unseen. You did not bring us this far to leave us now. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God, for victory over defeat. We thank you, God, for allowing us to be able to stand when we want to fall. Father, we thank you for strength in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you the glory, God. We give you the honor, God. You are in full and complete control in and through us with everything that we have and we honor your name. We give you glory and we bless you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We decree and declare the victory in this place in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Come on, let's put, let us put our hands together and let's praise him and thank him. He is worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. We bless his holy name and we thank him. Well, this is truly the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so tonight we are grateful for another Monday that we have come together to uh, for word and worship, to dwell in his presence and to thank him for everything that he has done for us. He's a good father. Hallelujah. He is a good, good father. And we are so grateful that God always makes a way. He always provides for us and he always shows up for us. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. If you can't hear me, please hit the like and the share button. Share with your networks, even if the internet is acting up. Whatever pieces they can catch, they will catch. And we're grateful for it. Thank you, Lance, for helping us to pivot and figure out something else. So grateful for my wife, uh, Elder Diane Jackson Barnes. Amen. And for those that are here with us, 
We're so grateful uh, for all of you. God has been doing some tremendous things, and we are so grateful for what he has been doing. Um, I believe, I believe, and I'm going to get into this teaching in a second, but I believe that we, if we are not there, we are walking into a season of open doors, that God is going to start providing and meeting us at the point of our needs. I was in prayer today. I was in prayer today, and I posted it, but I want to share it with you again. The Lord said to me very clearly, he said, I can't bless what you won't pray for. He says, I can't answer a prayer that you won't pray. And if you really need it, if you really want it, you got to be bold and confident enough in him to be able to pray for. He says, I can't answer a prayer that you won't pray. I need you to be bold enough and confident enough and and trust me enough to be able to verbalize to me what it is you really want. Hallelujah. And I believe we are in the season of open doors because he says, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to come and do exactly what it is you say you need me to do. Life and death is still in the power. This has nothing to do with what I'm going to teach tonight, but life and death is in the power of the tongue. And the Lord told me to tell whoever will be listening, if you can say it, you can have it. Hallelujah. If you can verbalize it, he can make it come to pass. So I am decreeing and declaring that we are in the season of an open door because we are not going to allow the enemy to shut our mouth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to challenge every person under the sound of my voice to speak and start decreeing and declaring what you need from the Lord to start manifesting. Come on, the ideas and the dreams that you have, the visions that you have in your mind to be able to verbally articulate it accurately and confidently so that God can make it come to pass. This is your season. This is your time. I know we have made this a cliche and we talk like this all the time and it does not have as much value as it used to have but I'm telling you that if you can grab a hold of what I'm telling you right now God is going to allow what you saw to manifest in your hand he says if you can pray for it I can answer the prayer if you can verbalize it if you can talk about it if you can get it out of your mouth if you can get it out of your head write the vision and make it plain that those that read it may run with it there is a process that we have to participate in if we want God to move in what we said he needed to do, if we want your blessings, if you want your miracles to be activated in your life, you have to be able to verbalize what it is you are trying to say. And so I was praying today. I was praying today. I spent the entire day in the house. I went to the gym and for 30, 45 minutes, somewhere around there, I went there. I went. I was active. I was there. I sweat. I was there. I stamped my card and everything. They know I was there, okay? I was there and I came home and I was praying. And I said, okay, God, you know what I need. You know what I need. You know what I don't want to be worried about anymore. You, you know what I don't want to be concerned about anymore. You know what I want to take off of my prayer list. So I need you to go ahead on and answer this prayer, meet this need so that I can move on to something else. You know exactly what it is I have brought before you before that I don't want to be an issue anymore. So I need you to come and meet me at the point of my need. And I started praying and walking around the house. And I said, you know, this is what I want to buy. You know, this is what I want to get. You know, this is what I'm trying to get accomplished. You know how quickly I need to get it accomplished. I need you to show up for me like only you can. And I believe God. Come on. I want you to say it with me. I believe God. Come on. Not because I'm asking you, but I want you to do it because you really do. Shout I believe God. I believe he's going to answer my prayer. I believe he's going to meet my need. I believe he's going to come through. Come on, say it with me one more time. I believe God. I really do. 
I really do believe him. And I believe, I believe, I believe that the Bible tells us that signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Hallelujah. And we're so grateful for it. All right. Uh, let me get into this, this teaching. I got a lot to say and I got a little bit of time to get it out. So I'm going to try my best to, to do this. Um, I got on a t-shirt. Y'all know I don't really like teaching or being on a microphone with a t-shirt on. But, you know, this was as, as good as it's going to get. So bear with my bare arms. I feel so. Let me borrow your blazer because I felt. <laughs> well, she's suited and, suited and booted and I got a t-shirt. Listen, I don't do this, this naked arm in church. I don't do that. Jesus. I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But y'all bear with me. I, you know, I don't do this. I do really want one. I'm about to wrap this blanket around me right here. I go to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Too much. Yeah, I know. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We're going to have a fun church, okay? We're going to sing. We're going to laugh and everything. 1 Samuel. You know, I don't listen. You have to cover up in Zion. I don't want... I don't want my wife to be tempted by these four arms. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was in the gym. Y'all hear that? I was in the gym today and I came out of there. I felt the abs forming. I felt them. I felt them. I said, oh my God. Jalen, they were coming through. I felt them. <laughs> Please. First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. Uh, hey. God bless. First Samuel chapter 30. Um, I'm going to read again from the, the living Bible. The living Bible. First Samuel chapter 30. The Bible says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their city of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had raided the city and burned it to the ground, carrying off all the women and the children, uh, as David and his men looked at the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they couldn't weep no more. David's two wives, Hinoam and Abigail, were among those who had been captured. David was seriously worried, for in their bitter grief for their children, his men began talking of killing him. But David took strength from the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. The word of the Lord is already blessed. But David took strength from the Lord. I want to talk tonight um, from a topic the Lord gave me. Uh, hopefully it makes sense. And if not, I'll try to make it make sense. How to get up from down. Um, you ain't got to tell nobody. You tell yourself. You're going to talk about how to get up from down. Uh, very, very familiar passage of scripture. We've all read it. We've heard it preached. Uh, but there is some great significance in what we see happening in these specific verses here. Uh, so all of us have had down moments. No matter your background, financial status, or educational experience, we've all been down before. I'll say this early so we can go ahead and get it out of the way. Paying tithe and giving offering won't exempt you from down moments. Serving in ministry or carrying a title won't save you from down moments. If you hadn't already had a down moment, just keep living. Because as sure as you are alive, you will have one. Life is filled with swift transitions. It takes turns and sometimes 
when you least expect it to. Everything could be going according to your plan and seemingly God's. And all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. You can't avoid down. We can't avoid disappointment. You can't get around despair and anguish. It's all a part of life. It's all a part of your spiritual growth and your development. Down moments help build character and stamina. These valley experiences help prepare us for mountainous victories. Don't despise your down moments. Don't become angry with God as if to suggest that you are being punished versus being processed. I used to hear the old church say the darkest hour before day is at midnight. Sometimes life gets really dark or gets dark, so dark so that you can appreciate the light. We should then be bold enough to ask God, not just how long will I be down, but what do you want me to gain and learn while I'm here? What are you trying to grow me into? What are you trying to produce in me while I'm here? I believe if it's the Lord's will to share that information uh, with you, the timeline really won't matter because you know at the end of it, you would have survived what others died in and would have overcome what looks to be impossible. Even with battles and war scars, the magnitude of the come up and the get up would be far greater than the pressure from the fall. The issue that we have is that we take what should be temporal and we make it permanent. We allow ourselves to become so outdone with whatever storm we're in that we take up residence in a season that came to pass. We are all guilty of placing a period at the end of a sentence when God intended for it to be a comma. How foolish are we to change our mailing address to a place of guilt, to a place of hurt, to a place of shame. What seems, uh, when se what sense does it really make for us to, as a believer, to move into a place that doesn't look like what God promised you? Now, I really don't mean in a physical sense or a physical location, but sometimes we move into places mentally and emotionally. We settle in our mind that where we are uh, is where we're going to be and that it is what it is and, and there's not going to be any better. We settle into a mental and emotional place of imprisonment when we feel like we have accomplished the most that we're ever, that we're ever going to be able to accomplish. But, but who told you that? Who told you that you had reached the pinnacle of your life? Who told you that you had reached the height of your life? Who told you that you had run out of time to be able to accomplish the visions and the dreams that God has set before you? You should never set up shop in the opposite of what God showed you and what he told you. You have to learn how to get up from down. We, be, we have become too familiar with being down. It has become too comfortable here. We have developed relationships with people who are down and without wisdom or strength to speak power to the day. It's so interesting how we can develop relationships with people who are in the same boat and dealing with the same thing as us. And then we wonder why we've stayed in a season too long. It's because we have developed and connected with people who really don't have the vision or the capacity to see beyond 
where they currently are. So they'll never have the capacity to help you see beyond where you are because they've settled in their mind that where they are is where they're going to stay. God says it's time for us to reevaluate our connections and make sure that we are connected to visionaries and forward thinkers, people that have already surpassed where we currently are, people that have the wherewithal or the means to be able to get us from where we are to where we need to be. We need to connect with people that have a vision for us. Help me somebody. A vision for where we should be and where they think we could go. Not somebody that's comfortable in, in our current state. Because if we keep connecting with people who really don't want us to be blessed, who really don't want us to move forward, who really don't want us to progress and have more than what we currently have, we will settle into their narrative for our lives. But he says, I need you to connect with people who have already been there and say, I know how to get you from here to there. He says, you got to learn how to get up from down even though most of us even though most of us have had issues and we've had problems um, with dealing with uh, calamity and crises we we cannot get so caught up in the vision of our current state and the and the in the reality of our current state that we can't see what God wants to do with us and for us and how he wants to push us forward if we're honest we're getting it's getting more and more difficult to believe that there's more and than what we have right now some of us some of us some of us some of what we are dealing with is based off of this is what the Lord told me faulty connections it's because we take residence in temporary place not only that but we allow the convictions of faithless people to dictate and determine how we should respond to where we are. We let people that really don't have relationship with God tell us how to respond to a God thing. It's crazy how we allow people that really don't have no relationship with God to tell us how we should respond to what God said and did. So if we recognize that God has us in a position or a place where he's trying to mold us and make us and produce something better out of us, but they don't have that same connection and so they convince you that something must be wrong with you the reason why you're going through it where do we see it we saw it in the in the job narrative they said you must have sinned against God what did you do to put you in this position you have people that don't have the real relationship and connection with God that would make you think that your down moment is based off of a bad decision that you made versus it being a move of God trying to prepare a place for you so that when you get there it'll be ready let me tell you something and I'll tell you this and I'll move on. God, some of the things that God is trying to produce for us is not about him making us ready. It's about him making it ready for us. Some of us are already ready for the season that God wants to produce us into, but he's trying to make sure that when you get there, the table is already spread. He's trying to make sure when you get there, the people will know how to treat you and handle you. He's trying to make sure that when you get there, they'll know how to deal with who you really are and carry the weight of your anointing. You got to be careful by allowing people to make you think that you're stuck in a place because you're stuck. You're not stuck. God just has you at a standstill until where you're going has been prepared. That's why Jesus says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, ye may be also. It would be crazy. I thought about it over and over again. I'm like, heaven was already there and it was already created. But what if there were some other things God wanted to prepare for us? What if he wanted to add a couple of more trinkets on your home? What if he wanted to make sure some things were prepared for you when you get there so that when you get there, it would be more than what you asked for more than what you expected because he's not the God that's just going to give you what you ask for but he's going to exceed your expectation 
Because somebody tell them, I got to learn how to get up from down. I got to get up, learn how to get up from down. He says, we've, we've developed relationships with people who don't have the faith. They don't really know how to talk. They don't understand. And, and, and let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. And the Lord told me this and I almost fell off the chair. He says, uh, uh, being my friend doesn't qualify you as my life coach. Hello? Y'all, y'all wrong for it, you know? We do that. People say, I'm your friend, I'm your best friend, I'm your brother, and then they think they can tell you whatever they want you to know. Be- being my friend doesn't qualify you as my life coach. Being in relationship with me does not mean that you can dictate or determine how I move and how I function. Just because we're in relationship doesn't give you authority over my life. We've given blind people guidance rights when they need to be led themselves. We stay in these mental and emotional prisons too long because people and past experiences have made us think that this is normal that this is the only option for you but God said there's more on the other side of this Lord, I wish I had somebody to help me praise right here. We seem, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, Diane, seems so far for some of us. The, the silver lining seems so far-fetched. But God says, if you keep going, if you just keep moving, if you keep pressing, if you keep trusting me, this dark stage, this low place that you're in right now, God will bring it down and lift you up. He says, I'm going to teach you how to get up from down because you can't worship me down there the way I need you to. You can't praise me down there the way I need you to. You can't lift me and exalt me from that low place because you can't see for looking at your problem. We're fixated then on where we currently are and we lose the zeal mode for being able to get up and take the bull by the horns and really going after what God has promised us. How many of us, how many of us have if you honest, have gotten complacent where you are, you've gotten comfortable where you are, you felt like this is it. If I can be the manager on this level, then I'm doing good. Yeah. Lord, help me here. If I can be in leadership, excuse me, on this level, I'm doing good. If people can respect me on this level, I'm doing good. If people know my name on this level, I'm doing good. Not paying attention to the fact that there's another level that God has in store for you. Not acknowledging the fact that there's more on the other side of this. You got to know it's not working because this is not the exceeding and abundant that he promised. You got to know that you're not in the right place because this is not the overflow that God promised. You're still living paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out if this week is going to be better than the last week, trying to see how all of these things are going to work together and we're all trying to balance it out and it's not working. This is not what he showed me. So deciding to be here and get comfortable here seems like it makes no sense. God says you got to learn how to get up from down. So the Lord sent me here on the sign, man. I'm going to get through this. Y'all with me? Everybody all right? Okay, so the Lord sent me here on assignment to report that the devil is alive, for sure. And, and, and if Brian was here, I would tell him to hit like one key. One, whichever key I can find, that would be the one he'd hit. So the B portion of John 10 and 10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life 
and that they might have it more abundantly. Then you can quote, of course, Jeremiah 29 and 11 when the prophet says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We can talk all day about the plans and the promises of God over your life. Uh, 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 but until you apply it, until it's applied, until we begin to use what we have to get up from down, until we begin to verbalize these scriptures and apply them to our lives, we will remain in this proverbial prison of, of mental and emotional bondage. We will remain in this low place until we start using the word of God. Until we start applying the word of God to our marriage, our finances, our family, and our future, we need to learn how to send the word of God where we want to go. Come on, somebody. We got to learn how to send what God said to the, the to the destination that we're trying to get to, to tell whatever's over there, I'm on my way. He says, I need you to learn how to get up from down. We can, we can talk all day about that. The first step, the first step, the first step to learning how to get up from down is that you have to first decide that you want to get up. Now I'll say it again for the kids that are playing in the back. If you want to learn how to get up from down, you have to first decide that you want to get up. You have to decide for yourself that living in depression and falling into the grips of anxiety should not be your way of life. You have to decide that there is better for me. And if there is better for me, I'm going to get it. God, I wish I had a praise in church right here. God is trying to get us to a place of spiritual boldness that we can come out of this timid and fearful mindset and attitude and really go after what God has in store for us. He says, you got to decide that you want better. You have to decide that if healing is an option, then you can be healed. Come on, that if wealth is an option, you can be healthy, that you can be wealthy. You have to decide in your mind that if abundance is something that God has in store for me, then I have to stand until I see the abundance. I have to move and function at a level that tells God, I really do believe what you said about me. If we're going to decide to get up from down, you have to decide that you can get up and to do so. It says anything we do, anything we want to accomplish, it starts with a decision first. God said to me, you can live depressed if you want to, but that's not the life that I have planned for you. You can, you can live in someone else's shadow. You can live second, third, and fourth best in your class if you want, but that's not what I assigned for you. You can make that decision. You can make that decision if you want, and I'll even honor that for the time being. But that's not what I have in store for you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God said, I got so much more for you that I don't want to give you down there. But I want you to decide to get up and come and get it. When Jesus was dealing with the man, I think he was uh, 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 by the pool of Bethesda. And he came in and he told him, he says, take up your bed and walk. He told him, get up. From where you are, use those legs that you don't think are adequate enough and walk into your next season. God says you have the power to speak to whatever's not working in you and call it to life. He has given us authority over dead things. He's given us authority over seasons that we thought have already passed and told us you can speak to your next and bring your next into your current. You need the power to be able to get up from whatever down place or down season that you've been in. In everybody's life, 
there comes a breaking point. I used to hear uh, 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 my older family members, y'all got aunties and grandparents in them, and they would be talking about y'all wayward cousins if y'all wasn't them. And they'd say, that boy going to get tired. And when he get tired of running them streets, he coming back home. When that girl get tired of being mistreated, she going to leave that boy alone. Because there comes a period and point in time where we all get tired of being where we are. And you make a conscious decision that I don't want to live like that anymore. We saw it here with the prodigal son. He had taken everything his father gave him and he left. And the Bible says he came to himself while he is slopping, uh, eating the slop from the hogs. And he is homeless and he's hungry and he's filthy. And he says to himself, I might as well go back to my father's house and be a hired hand. Even the servants have bread to eat. He came to himself. He made a decision that this is not the life I want to live anymore. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have these sleepless nights. I don't want my body going through these different changes and I'm not knowing what's happening. I don't want to be on medication until I breathe my last breath. I want to do something different. So whatever decision needs to be made, it's a decision that says I got to get up from where I am. And I got to move. We can blame God. We can try to blame God, but the rest of the ability comes on us. You know, we, we, we need to let God lead, but we also need to partner with him in the spirit so that we can accomplish the process. Getting up from down means that you have to take responsibility for your own fall. Lord, help me. We, 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 can, we can definitely say, oh God, God has me here and things may not be working the way I want them to work. But some of us are down because we went there. Come on. Because we accepted less. Because we accepted people mistreating us. Because we didn't take care of the responsibilities that we had in our hand while we were there. So some of us are where we are because we mistreated the last season. Come on. But God says, I'm going to help you make up for lost time if you can make a conscious decision that you don't want to be there anymore. That you can decide, I want to leave who I'm connected to so that I can develop a more accurate and consistent relationship with the Father. He says, if you can decide that you are sick of this life of less then I can give you more he says if you're tired of dealing with what does not seem like what I have for you and really grasp the idea of what I do have for you I'm gonna give you that but I need you to decide you want to get up from down tell somebody I got to get up from down he, he will he will do whatever you need him to do the Bible tells us and helps us to understand and we saw it we saw this example in the Bible he, we, he helps us understand you can ask the Hebrew boys that sometimes uh, um, God if he doesn't deliver you out of it he'll get in the fire with you some of us sometimes and, and who was it one of them people saying the songs if God has to reach way down Jesus will pick you up. He says, I don't have a problem with coming down there to get you, but you got to do like Peter did when he was drowning and say, Lord, save me. Sometimes your, your movement to get up is not a physical move. It's a verbal. It's a conscious decision. Sometimes all you have to do is decide down there that you need God to come and get you and he'll do just that. How many of you have ever been so low, so down and so depressed and so sad in your own self that you couldn't even utter the words that you needed to get God's attention but the Bible says he understands your moans and your groans. Even if you can't get a word out, God knows how to meet you where you are. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm about to get up from down here. 
I have to. I have to get up from down here. I got too much life to live in front of me to be focused on what happened behind me. I got too many promises ahead of me to be stuck in what didn't work. God told me to tell you, you got to get up from being down. Got to get up from being down. Y'all ready to get into the text? All right. We got a few minutes to go. Help me, Jesus. So in our text, we find that David is in a low place. He has just taken a three-day journey back with 600 exhausted soldiers only to find that his home has been invaded. Everything has been burned to the ground. All livestock stolen, possessions gone, and two of his wives captured and abducted. He's in a low place. Somebody say a low place. The people who, who just hours ago were willing to die for him now want to kill him. Those that are closest to him have distanced themselves to deal with their own grief. Understanding that they too have lost everything. Not by choice. Listen to this. Not by choice, but by obedience to leadership. Some may ask, why were they so angry with David? He lost like they lost. Why? When they all were in the same boat, would they want to drown David? So you'd have to go back now. You'd have to go back to chapters previous to understand that they were only gone because David decided to fight in the battle that wasn't his fight in the first place paying on the debt for protection and distance from Saul. You'd have to go back to see that Saul had been looking and searching to kill David out of anger and jealousy because he's been rejected by God and he has to deal with the fact that David is now God's choice. The only reason, the only reason that David and these men were in Ziglag is because he made a deal with the Philistines in exchange for safe haven from Saul. You have to consider this as well that David is not afraid of Saul. He could most certainly kill him if he wanted to. As a matter of fact, when you read 1 Samuel 26, you see where David had an opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't. He understood that harming the chosen, God's chosen king would only end bad for him. So he takes Saul's spear and his water pot and he leaves in the night. Let me go back to something here to make sure you understand exactly what we're talking about. Sometimes obedience leaves you desolate. Sometimes obedience leaves you without what it is you came with in the first place. Sometimes obedience will put you in a dark place. Come on. Sometimes obedience will cause you to lose what you worked hard for. But somebody ought to be confident enough to understand that the Lord that gives can take away and he has the power to give it back again he says just because you're there don't mean I intended for you to stay there just because you landed with a rough landing don't mean I don't have what it takes to patch you up fix you up and put you back where I need you to be we have to have a relationship secure enough with God that no matter what we are dealing with we can still praise him in a low place come on how many of us can praise God in a low place 
How many of us can praise him in a dark place, can give him glory in moments where we don't feel like really giving him glory, giving him praise because he came through of us? We need to be confident enough and excited enough about the presence and the power of God that we can praise him for the place that we came from, even though we don't like the place that we are right now, because we know that the same God that did it before, he can do it again. He says, I want you to be confident enough in who I am in you and for you and through you that no matter what happens in your day, I can get you through it. Tell somebody, I got to learn how to get up from down here got to do it got to do it so bible says it tells us that the only reason that they were there because david wanted to go fight in this battle he is working with this king he said listen if you give me this land i'll be on your side we and my soldiers we will fight with you we will fight with you against whatever army that you need to fight fight against he says let me tell you this let me tell you this you don't have to fight every battle let's let's just go with that Let's deal with that. You do not have to fight every battle. Just because you see a fight don't mean you got to be in it. Some of us are so quick to run to a fight because we feel like because we have the strength or because we have the experience or because we have the know-how that we got to go in and get into something that ain't got nothing to do with us in the first place. Some of these battles that we see are not yours to fight. It's for you to watch. Some battles that we see are for you to take notice and understand and take notes and say, oh, I see how they function. I see how they move. I see what they do. I see how they handle people. It's not for you to address. It's not for you to go after them. It's not for you to even let them know that you saw how they handled other people. But it's for you to understand how not to treat people when it's your turn. God told me to tell you some things you don't have to do. You just got to stay out of the way. They didn't ask David to fight. He could have bargained anything. He could have given them some of the cattle. He could have given some of the gold and the jewels and the rubies that he had. But he decided to say, let me use what I know how to do and fight. Let me fight for you. So the Bible says that they get out there, they get out there and it don't work out for him the way he wants it to work out. David, David is in a low place. He's in a low place. His men are in a low place. In fact, the Bible says, and I'm almost through, that they wept until they had no more power to weep. They have completely exhausted themselves in grief. Traveling is tiring by itself. But to be gone with nothing to show for it and come back to this heartbreaking experience is pain at its best. When you read chapter 29, you see that the other commanding officers were not on board with David and his men being there. They refused to fight with them in fear of David turning on them in mid-battle. They said he, it, it would give him great pleasure to put all of our heads on a stick and send it back to Saul. He, he can't fight with us. The commander said, we don't, we don't want him here. We already know the song, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. We already know the quality of his work as a murderer as a warrior, as a soldier, he can't fight with us. David is going back and forth with the king and he's like, I ain't do nothing wrong. I already promise you, I'm not gonna go and turn on y'all. I got your back. I'm here because you are giving me a place to stay. I'm gonna do whatever it is you ask me to do. He says, but I can't go against the commanding officers. You and your man gotta go back home. So they journeyed three days back to Ziklag, exhausted, unfulfilled, tired worn out and the closer they get they smell smoke the closer to home they get they see debris in the air 
And they're wondering what could happen in the desert while we were gone. Here's a question I asked the same in my notes. And I was wondering if these men are such great providers and their fathers and their husbands and their soldiers and their warriors and their leaders. Why did you leave your home uncovered? Some people have issues when they get back because you left where you stay uncovered. You can't afford to leave home without a head. Y'all ain't talking to me in here today. I'll preach that and deal with that another time. But they left home uncovered and the enemy came in and stole what they were trying to protect in the first place. But they were not mad at themselves. They were angry with David. They didn't take responsibility and say we should have left 200 of y'all to make sure that the women, children, the cattle, and the flock and everything else we had were safe. They were left uncovered. And because they were left uncovered, invasion happened. Most of these, I'm not going to deal with this tonight, but I got to say it like the Lord told me, a lot of our marriages have fallen by the wayside because we left apart of the home uncovered because we wanted to fight in someone else's army because we wanted to be big in another place where you were already in charge here what's wrong with our society when what you have is no longer enough when what God has established for you has lost its value and its meaning and you got to take value somewhere else. And you get over there and realize they don't need you. You get over there and realize you should have stayed where you were. Because your real value is in who's pouring into you while you're covering and protecting them. They were angry. They were tired. They were worn out. They were completely over it. Because now they've left and come back home to nothing. The pain they felt. These soldiers, not just any soldiers, but they fight with David, Mo. These are amongst the most feared and respected men in their line of work. And we meet them weeping. We see this natural response from people who naturally can kill. They are strong at best. They are not carpenters. They are not cooks. They are warriors. And we meet them weeping it's a natural resource for them a natural response for them to deal with this loss to deal with this grief and want to fight they immediately go into war mode setting the responsibility of this loss on David and aiming for his head they are all in a low place but David decides I got to get up from down this narrative has to change Firstly, they can't kill me. And here's what I want you to understand. And we're getting ready to, getting ready to get out of here because I'm literally almost finished. First of all, David understands they can't kill me because I've been anointed king and I'm not king yet. Some of us have to pay attention to the fact that whatever enemies, whatever your enemy is trying to do to you, it won't work because if what God set before you has not been accomplished, it can't work. That's why we keep saying over and over again that the weapons may form, but they won't work. Let me tell you why they can't work, Lichelle. Let me tell you why they won't work, Monique. They won't work because God has not finished what he started in you. Whatever he says, it has to come to pass. God's word can't come back void. So whatever he has set before the 
foundations of the word to be established in your life until that goal is accomplished, until that moment has come to pass, nothing that the enemy sets in place will be able to prosper. I came to tell somebody here, I know you may be completely uncomfortable with where you are right now, but until the vision that God has for your life has come to pass, nothing the enemy tries will be able to work against you. David says, I'm going to take confidence and courage where I am, even though y'all want to kill me and you have the means and the wherewithal to be able to do so and maybe even the right you can't do it because before I met you I was anointed king and I'm not king yet look at somebody tell him I'm not king yet so you can't do nothing with me I have not reached the pinnacle of my life that God has set and established for me so you can't do nothing with me on this level you can be mad you can be angry you can be upset with me but you can't change the fact that there was anointing on my life for where I'm going you can't change that can't change it. That's why we got to make our soul. David says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear their reverend be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. He was confident in the fact that whatever God said when they brought him out of that field and Samuel anointed him to tell him, hey, listen, this is who you're getting ready to be. You're not there yet, but this is who you're getting ready to be. So whatever happened, that's why he didn't have a problem going to fight giant Goliath. Come on, y'all. He had no issue going against the Philistines. I don't need your shield sword. I don't need your sword because God has already anointed me to be king so I can't die out here fighting giants. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you. He says, your future is secure. Because I've already set where you're going before the foundations of the world. Here's the thing. I won't even let your decision change what I've decided. I'll let it take you on a little detour so that you can learn a lesson along the way. It just might take you a little longer to get there than I originally intended for you. But you will get there because I've already set it. I've already established it. I've already settled it in heaven that it might be established on earth. So David says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And y'all want to know, I'm going to tell you, this is the punchline, okay? This is the end, you know? If I was going to hoop, I'd be hollering right now. Hey, this is what he said. He did, the narrative has to change. First, he said, they can't kill me because of that. David says, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that y'all don't want to do. So y'all are mad, y'all angry, y'all are upset, y'all are dealing with grief, and y'all want to kill me. I get it. He says, and, and, and I'm upset. I'm grieving. I'm sad. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But I got a praise on the inside. Yeah. Come on. He yeah. says, what I need to do is I need to go into prayer. The Bible says he took strength. The living Bible says he took strength from the Lord. The message Bible says he strengthened himself with trust in his God. Mm. If David were here preaching, he would tell us, he would tell us, he would tell us right now, if David was here preaching, he would tell us that all you need to do, if you want to learn how to get up from down, he says you need to get in the presence of God. If you want to learn how to get up from down, then you got to learn how to worship him when nobody else wants to uh, be on your side. You got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to learn how to lift yourself up in a situation that seems like it won't turn for you. He says, if you want to learn how to get up from down, you got to learn how to get in my presence while you're down there. You got to learn how to praise and worship and do whatever is necessary to bring me. That's why we always say he inhabits the praises of his people. We we understand that God lives wherever you praise and wherever you worship. And I, I used to 
hear Bishop George C. Wright say, we praise God, we worship him, we worship him, and, and, and that, that praise brings God to where we are, but that worship takes us to where he is. It transports us. We may physically still be down, but the worship connects us to him, and you can't be down with an up God. You can't stay in a place like that when you have that power source connected. There's no way your battery should run low if you're connected to a power source. There's no way that you should be weak when you are connected to strength. Come on. There's no way that you can remain sad when you are connected to joy. There's no way that you can stay in a low place when you have a high and mighty God. He says, all I need you to do is learn how to connect with me where you are and I'll help you get up from down. You want to get up from down. He says, you got to learn how to get in my presence. You got to learn how to commit to a life of service and prayer. You got to learn how to commit to a life that's pleasing to me. You have to learn how to do what it is, do what's necessary for you to be in my presence. This is why we love David. This is why we talk about David so much. The Bible says he was messed up. David did so much stuff. Every reality show that you've ever seen ain't got nothing on David. This is the same man that killed a man to hide the fact that he slept with his wife and got her pregnant. He has been terrible, but God said he's a man after my own heart because David understands that no matter how messed up I am, if I can get to God, God will get to me. If I can get in his presence, he'll clean up whatever I messed up if I can get in his presence he will create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me David says I know how to get down from up all I gotta do is get in his presence and that's what he told me to tell you he told me to tell the lighthouse church he told me to tell all of our friends and whoever could see it if you can still see it if you want to get down from up you gotta learn how to get in his presence he said bring me the ephod Bring me all of the priestly stuff. I can't get to the church. But bring me the stuff from it. Bring, bring, bring me the garment that I need to wrap myself so that I can get in the presence of God. I was trying to visualize a visual person. What this looks like. You got these people, 600 soldiers along with David standing in the middle of a desert, desolate, home burned to the ground, smoke everywhere, nothing left. You see traces of what they own going in different directions from when the Amalekites now have evaded and invaded and taken away their stuff. And they're standing there and they're crying and they're weeping and they're going off on David and they're saying, this is your fault. Had you not sent us out there with those people, our families would have been protected. My wives would still be here my children would still be here where am I going to sleep what am I going to eat what am I going to do now we can't rebuild this home overnight we have nowhere to lay our heads and David turns from them and he begins to pray come on sometimes you got to let those complainers complain and talk to the father sometimes you got to let people that don't have a relationship with God do whatever they do so that you can get to God you have to disconnect from people that don't want a source that don't want a connection that don't want better so that you can get what you need to get from God some of us are still where we've been because we don't want to pray we want to talk we don't want a way out we want to wallow in whatever the sorrow is we want somebody to feel sorry for us David could have easily said I'm in the same boat they took my stuff too I'm tired too he says, I don't have time to deal with what the reality is. I need to go to God about what's next. 
Wow. He says, you don't have time to deal with what's happening right now. You need to talk to God about what you need to do next. He says in prayer, shall I pursue? And God responds. I just told y'all, if you can't pray about it, he can't answer the prayer. God wants to make sure that you can verbalize whatever it is you're looking for, whatever it is you need, so he can answer the prayer. The Bible says, he said to him, shall I pursue after these people? And the Lord responded. He said, you shall pursue and without fail, recover all. All he needed to do was get in his presence. You don't hear nothing else in that text about David being down or depressed about that. You don't hear him even mentioning what just took place or what happened because the reality of his current state doesn't matter because the promise of the future is sure. Come on. You don't have to worry about what you don't have right now if you can connect to the promise of your future and know that whatever God has set before you is greater than what you got right now. I don't have time to deal with the fact that I don't have enough money right now. I don't have time to deal with the fact that I don't have the education or the degree because he already promised me a seat at that high table and no matter what I don't have right now I gotta get there. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I want you to go home tonight and really, really focus on what I'm telling you. God wanted me to let you know that nothing matters right now. The only thing that matters is where you're going don't get caught up in what's not working right now because it's gonna have to work for you to get where you're going come on when you're traveling you don't worry about you don't worry about not having gas because you got to get from this point to the next because you know you're getting ready to get gas to get there you don't have to worry about whether or not you're gonna make it because you already know that it's been set I used to be worried every time I got on the plane oh Lord let me make it to my destination and I said to myself while I'm praying and thanking God for it I really don't need to be concerned about it because I'm going on assignment which means that I gotta get there this plane can't go down I'm on this plane this this job can't fail because I'm here he says in order for you to get up from down you got to learn how to encourage yourself in your God. Strengthen yourself in him. You know it's right, Tip. You know why? How many times have we been in a low place and we went to talk to somebody and felt worse afterwards? N not because they just decided to talk about whatever they got going on, but because they have nothing to lend to where you are. We spend too much time Hoping that someone could help us see what only God can. The Bible says eyes haven't seen. Ears haven't heard. You can't expect people to be able to show you what only God can see. That he might only reveal to you in his presence. So David says, if you want to learn how to get up from down, you need to get in his presence. Yeah, I'm a mess. I did a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, but I know how to get to him. I know how to dance out of my clothes and don't care who's looking. I know how to pray. I know how to be in his presence because in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are. Ever. God said, all you need to do is get in my presence and I've made it readily available. You don't have to go to the temple 
and push all these veils back so you can get to them, you can create an altar right where you are. You can, you can create a space, right? You can create a space, Mo, where you messed up. You can create an altar to worship God in the place of your biggest mistake. And he will meet you right there. He says, if you want to get in my, if you want to get down, up from down, get in my presence. Don't let the guilt of your past, don't let the guilt of past decisions make you think that my presence is too far for you. Make you think that you don't deserve to be where you, you, you might be dealing with what you got going on right now, not with what you did. Hello, because some of us are still trying to get delivered, trying to get free from things that have created mental and emotional bondages for us. Hello. And God says, even right there, if you if you get in my presence there, I'll work your deliverance where you are. I'll start changing your mindset and the way you think, and I'll get you to a place that where you are becomes a thing of the past. I just need you to trust me in it. Lift your hands really quickly. We're going to worship. Was that clear? God wants to use us in a special and miraculous way. But if depression is overwhelming, sadness and fear and guilt, anxiety, stress, pressure, it has overtaken the church. We, we, the Lighthouse Church is where we have come to be a place of refuge and safety. And it's difficult to be that if we are overwhelmed by these weights that so easily beset us. God said, I got to deliver you once and for all. And the only way is for you to be in my presence. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about materialism. We're talking about God releasing the weight off of your shoulders. Some of us are carrying the burden of ministry and it's too heavy. God says, I want you to get up from down. Some of us have made decisions and we're not even sure, confident if it was the right decision and we're carrying that weight. God says, I want to help you get up from down. Take this moment and be in my presence. Forget about who's near you. Forget about who's watching. Forget about what didn't work before. Thank you for your presence, God. Break yokes. Lift heavy burdens. In the name of Jesus. We bless, we bless your name. We praise you. We honor you. We honor your name. Come on, just a few more seconds. Presence to his presence. Presence to it. You could have went off. You could have lost it on him. You could have allowed that moment to send you in a downward spiral. Whew. But you decided to pray. You decided to come to worship tonight. You decided to be in his presence and he's going to honor the sacrifice. God honor the sacrifice. Mm.
honor the sacrifice. In the name of Jesus. He said, come lay down the burdens that you have carried for in the sanctuary. God is here. God is here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel burdens being lifted. I feel burdens being lifted in the name of Jesus. I feel burdens being lifted. God is releasing peace in this atmosphere. You have been wondering and worrying and been concerned about whether this was the right move or not. Things are not working, not as fast as you want them to. What you see is not what you thought you were going to see. It seemed like it's taking longer for things to come into fruition. But God says, I'm going to give you peace with the decision you made. I'm going to honor your sacrifice because you trusted me. He's getting ready to honor what you have to do next. I don't know who I'm talking to on this live, who I'm talking to in this room. He says, I'm getting ready to honor what you have to do next. I'm going to make it. Come on. I know y'all feel that peace. I feel that peace. It's blowing through here. The peace of God is in this room. I feel the peace of God. Mm, the peace of God. The peace of God be your portion. Be at peace with who left. Be at peace with who stayed. Be at peace with what you have left. Be at peace with it. God said, be at peace with it. 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 Mm. Hallelujah. A few more seconds. Just press right where you are. The presence of the Lord is here. 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 Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I got to move from this. Isn't it good to know that as many times as we've fallen, he keeps getting us back up. As many times as we've failed, his grace, his grace has been sufficient, Ben. His grace has been sufficient for us. Every day we wake up with new mercy. Every day he wakes, up with, wakes us up with new mercies. His grace is still sufficient for me. For me. For me. For me. Come on, tap yourself on the chest and say, it's been sufficient for me. You got to start applying the word to your life. It's been sufficient for me. He's healing me. He's delivering me. He's giving me peace. Come on. Come on. Bold. Be bold about it. Put yourself in the text. Put yourself in the scripture. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord right where I am. What I'm dealing with, what I'm going through, what I'm facing, what I'm feeling is too much for me to articulate, but I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Put yourself in there and wait for God to show up. 
He said, if you can pray about it, I can answer it. If you can bring it to me, I can handle it. If you let me take it, I'll take it from you. If you let me carry it, I'll help you carry and bear the weight of it. He says, give it to me and let me do what I always do. I'll make your burdens light. Come lay down the burdens that you have carried. Because I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to do what you can't. We're done. We're getting ready to go. I'm here to do what you don't have the capacity to do anymore. Ooh, Alicia, you don't have to fight that same battle anymore. You don't have to verbalize it. You don't even have to tell anybody. He says, I'm working the details out to help you make up for lost time and give you back whatever you invested. Everything is coming together because we have decided to be in his presence tonight today except that you are getting up what you dealt with earlier today what you dealt with yesterday is no longer your story it is a thing of the past Lance, I was in prayer the other day and the Lord brought you to my mind. And he told me to tell you, they may devalue you, but I never have. You've become for some people like furniture. You're just here. They know you're going to be here. They know they can count on you to show up. But he says, I'm getting ready to elevate you to a place that they have to respect what I place on the inside of you. You have never just been a voice. You have never just been a talent. But you are the voice of God. Singing and speaking melodies that the earth can't comprehend. He says, I'm getting ready to cause people to see you in a light that they've never seen you before. I'm getting ready to send you places that you didn't think you could go. I'm getting ready to open up doors for you. And so many places, people will know your name around the world. Around the world. Not 2024, but before 2023 ends, you will see your name in places that your body has never been. The people that you are in close, connected relationship with will have to respect you in a different light. They can't call you to do stuff last minute. They can't treat you as somebody that they can just pull on just to come in. And we talked about being a place setting in a filler. You can't do that anymore. You set a standard. God says, and I'm going to honor that standard and make the people that should have respected you for who you are to them have to respect you for who you've been to other people. He's giving me to elevate you. I see elevation and promotion. I see elevation and promotion. God, I see it. I see higher heights and deeper depths. I see stages and lights. I see shows with just your name on it. I see you in places that you didn't know you were going to go. That you settled. This is probably never going to happen for me. But I see you surpassing even that. The Lord told me to tell you, be consistent. Stay where you are and do what you've been doing. And the reward. Come on, somebody shout the reward. reward. 
the reward that's coming is coming from above. It's coming from above. He's sending reward down to lift you. Oh, He's sending reward. He's sending reward. I see reward quickly. I see quick reward. Quick reward. Somebody say it with me. Quick reward. Quick reward. Quick reward. Quick reward. Quick reward. Do it fast, God. Do it fast. Do it fast. Do it fast. Double the anointing. Double his anointing. Come on. Come on. Double his anointing in the name of Jesus. New music, new sounds, new everything. Come on, give him new creativity. Give him new strength. Come on, protect his body in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I bind the hand of the enemy that will come and try to attack what you have already established. It is so, and so it is in the name of Jesus. God is sending something here. Something is changing in this atmosphere. Oh, I feel the Lord moving. 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 Come on, embrace his presence right there. I feel the Lord moving. I feel him moving. I feel him moving. I feel him moving. I feel the Lord moving. Increase. I see raises coming. More money is on the way. Hallelujah. 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 Help. Yes, God. I feel it coming. I see it. I see it. What you have is not enough to sustain where he's taking you. So he has to give you more. He says, I got to give you more. 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 You need your own place. You need new transportation. You need to secure some things. God says, I'm going to have to give you more. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to bring the price down. But either way, I'm going to make sure it comes to pass. Come on, somebody receive it in this atmosphere. I feel prophetic in this room tonight. I feel prophetic. I feel the... He's going to take that off of your shoulders. You won't have to worry about that. You won't have to worry about that. You won't have to worry about it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a few things my wife and I have been praying before the Lord. A lot of them have to deal with finances. And I was preparing today and I was at home and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write down my finances. I'm going to write down what I got going on. I'm going to write, write everything we got going on. And I didn't get a chance to write it down. And the Lord convicted me on my way here. And he said, you're trying to make what you have work without making who you have work. If I gave it to you, I'm going to help you keep it. She said the other day, she said, I don't know. She said, we can probably go back to having one car if we need to do that. Maybe I'm saying too much, but I don't really. We can go back to having one car. It'll be fine. You know, we can just do what we need to do. And I said to her, I said, no, we, we're not doing that. Because our life is not set up for us to have one source of transportation. So God is going to meet the need because we. Do you hear what I'm saying? God says, I, I didn't come that you might have life and have it more abundantly for you to reduce your way of living. I'm going to make it work for you. 
If I gave it to you, I'm going to help you maintain it. I'm not the God that's just going to start something and come at the end. I'm going to work with you through the middle. He says, whatever you got, I'm going to make it work for you in the process. Somebody ought to trust him with what you have. He's not going to reduce your quality of life so that you can be comfortable. That's why I give. That's why I sow. That's why I serve. Y'all, this ain't easy. This is not easy. We already had a full life before we decided that we were going to say yes to this assignment. This is not easy, but God says I'm going to help you make up. For whatever you're missing, I'm going to make sure you get what you need. It is so. And so it is. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what we've experienced tonight what we heard and for what we felt. Let your word manifest. Every word of prophecy, every word of scripture, let us see your hand move in a special way in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Somebody tell the Lord thank you. Somebody tell him thank you. We are, we're getting ready to go. I want to thank you for being with us tonight. For, I'm not even going to apologize again for whatever's happening with the internet. We'll fix it. We'll figure it out. If you see it, you see it. If you don't, maybe it was just meant for whoever's here, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I want you to want to give you the opportunity again to partner with us uh, by sowing whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I'm not going to put a number on it. Some have sown and they've given offering already. Some have even paid their tithe, and I'm grateful. Thank God we can produce and continue to do ministry because of your support, and we are grateful for it. And he's going to increase us even the more. Somebody shout increase. increase. Somebody said again, increase. increase. God is sending more. You can go to the website at the lighthouseclt.com and you can find our cash app there. Uh, you can find our Zelle there. If you don't already have it, GiveLify is available as well. Those giving options are accessible for you. We know that you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. The more you give, the more he'll give back to you. Press down, the Bible says, shaking together and running over. He'll cause men to give to you. We are coming into that season where people are going to start giving. Giving. Giving land. Resources. Not just money. God's going to put in our hand what we can make money from. Businesses are getting ready to be turned over in your name. Leadership and management opportunities are getting ready to be turned over into your name. God's going to start. I still feel prophetic. He's, he's releasing something in this atmosphere. He's releasing something. Something is changing in our atmosphere. These services, these Bible studies, Tiffany, will never be the same because God is releasing a prophetic flow in this. I hear God clearly. He's releasing a prophetic flow that you can't afford to miss. We got to connect. We got to stay connected. We got to be here. Not because I'm trying to fill every seat. That'd be great. But if you never come, you need to be connected because what God is releasing, you don't need to miss because it's about to take you into whatever next season God has in store. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and give. So we want you to come be a part of our fellowship, part of this relationship. We are the people. Here we are. We are here to shed light, show love, and spread the word. That's what we're here to do. And that's what we have planned to do. And we're going to do it effectively and consistently. If it's just me, Diane, Eliza, and Emma, we're going to shed light, show love, 
and we're going to spread the word because we believe what God has placed in us to be able to do. Uh, we have opened the doors for those that have decided to come and join and be members, to be partners with the Lighthouse Church, Charlotte. You can do so. I come in to talk to us directly, go on our social media and say, hey, I want to be a part of your church. We want you to come. We have virtual members. We have members in other states at this point. Uh, and then we have those that are part of the local assembly, and we are grateful for you. I want to say this um, <clears throat> again. Reminder, of course, every Wednesday we have prayer at 7 a.m. via conference line. There is a playback number that we posted, but we will repost. So if you miss it, you can go back and listen to the prayer that my wife has been doing, an awesome devotion on Wednesday mornings. <clears throat> and we will talk to you about future changes and adjustments that we will have to our ministry time. Did I miss anything? Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your power, for your spirit, for the revelation of your word. We thank you for coming and meeting us at the point of our need tonight. We pray, oh God, that you would make this word, word real and relevant, that when we leave this place, we can receive from you. And when the enemy raises his ugly head, lift a standard and be our protector. Go with us and be with us as our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.